everyone, and welcome to episode 67 of the Rich Cheese Radio Podcast, your place for horological hot takes, taboo topics, and often unpopular watch opinions. My name is Schmidt, and I'm joined, as always, by my good buddy. You guys know him. You'll love him. Mr. Bro Dinky. Bro, what's going on, my friend? Yo, yo, brother. Uh, pretty good week. Not a lot going on. Uh, had a little get-together dinner with the uh, dude that I... I do real men wear pink with the other night so i got that kind of kicking off for the year i just okay. signed, yeah just signed up for the page right we already last week we got our first watch uh hopefully we'll have uh, i got another one kind of in the works right now so hopefully that'll be two and uh yeah I think, maybe i, can, I think uh, this this could be the year of multiples right like this is kind yeah. of i've kind of done like about. two in past years i mean if i could do upwards of like four that'd be pretty cool Right. Obviously, I got some feelers out, but I, I know of at least two that we'll be doing and hopefully upwards, like I said, of three or four. That'd be really, really great. Um, and Strap Habits on board. He and I are going to dream up something. Hopefully you shake the Internet again and <laughs> see who else I can bring into the fold. You know, <laughs> I, I mean, I love it. I love it. I think it's a it's, it's certainly a good choice. A it's good one choice. of those things like, how can I not? You know, I did it one year and it was good i did it again it was great i mean i don't i don't know where it's gonna get i I don't expect to hit that again but i'll try i mean look like they always say you gotta shoot your shot right that's so, it that is it what about you what's going on uh not too, too much man i uh, just got back from a, a long work trip um getting settled back in you know kind of getting back in the swing of things and uh you know glad to be home glad to be with the family the wife and kids so it's uh you know, here we are, another episode, another day, making it happen. Yeah, and just like every other episode recently, we've had a ton of drops lately, specifically oh today. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah, we it's are insane. recording Thursday, and I mean, <laughs> today might as well have been like AP day or something, because we got, I think we got their entire lineup for the year today. Uh, there was honestly so many references that when I refreshed our social media page today, it was literally like one blogger posted one photo, another blogger posted a different collection photo, and somebody else posted and tagged somebody else. And it was just like all of these watches were completely different. Just like bam, 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 bam. And I'm like, whoa, this is a lot of releases. It was 1159s and then New Royal Oaks, and it's like, Oh, by the way, we made one with turquoise and gold. I'm like, oh, whoa, like this is like, let's pump the brakes here because this, this is a lot. There was a lot. It wasn't like sometimes where they just drop a couple Royal Oaks and the only difference is like, well, this one's white gold and this one's steel. No, this was a lot of variation. <laughs> they, they dropped everything. It was like, oh, you know what? We got a, we got an anniversary of the Royal Oak. Boom. Royal Oak offshore, full ceramic. I was like, what? Yeah, so Yo, you got a this is crazy. Royal Offshore uh Royal Oak Offshore chronograph, full ceramic in black. Yeah, again, black's having that moment. Black is having that moment, which we'll come back to in a minute. But so we got that bad boy. We got a white gold jumbo, and I'm gonna air quote jumbo, it's only 39 millimeters, and it's got a textured sort of bluish purple dial. You see that one? I must have missed that one. That one, I mean, it's probably the coolest one out of them, I think. Maybe the yellow gold aside. But it's you said a purple a, dial? It's like a purplish blue, like a midnight blue dial. 
and it's and like grain, grainy jumbo jumbo oh jumbo usually jumbo. the jumbo reference i believe is 41 millimeters this one's yeah, only yeah. 39 but it's still labeled still a, classified jumbo. As a jumbo yeah okay yeah i must have missed that one then i think i want to say hodinky has all of them on their instagram if you go there okay let me double check it was so hard to keep up because like i said oh, it was a it ton was of just... stuff it was just it was just nonstop. It was nonstop. There were so many novelties that were released today. Way more than I ever would have expected for this early in the year. And maybe that's the maybe that's the new trend. Brands are just tired of waiting for when the consumer's expecting things to drop and they're just dropping them. Well, it would also be interesting as a ploy to get all your stuff out and then maybe it watches and wonders. You just save one or two things and you just show off what you already put out oh you're talking about this guy yeah that's okay one. no no i did see this okay you know what when i when i first saw it i just assumed the dial was blue and just kind of moved on from it but you're right it's more of like a it's got a purpley tone to it it's almost like a like a midnight blue ish yeah you know it's got like some purpley and black tones to it and the texture i don't know what the heck they're calling it but the texture almost looks like a shark skin. You know, it's kind of got like that graininess to it or, or like a sandpaper look to it. Very interesting. And also very interesting at the double sign. Yeah. It's like AP and then AP. It's like weird. Yeah, that is weird. And looking at it originally, I thought they did a Venturine and I said, oh, crap. That's what, that, uh, yeah, that, yeah, that's, yeah. That's going to go like hard, that watch. Yeah. but That's it's still not, cool, but it's not a Venturine. Uh, but they so they dropped the black offshore. They dropped that. They dropped a full gold with a turquoise stone dial, which I'm a fan of stone dials. I like the, I like the Rolex stone dials. A lot of those yeah. Tiger Eye and uh, all the different ones, lapis, et cetera, et cetera. Like those were always some really cool references to me, and they shot up like crazy in value, unfortunately, in recent years. But I'm a big yeah. fan of stone dials. I like the way the stone looks on that. Yeah, and especially uh, in the yellow gold. Yeah, that's gonna be sought after. Oh, oh it, big time. There's there's no question. I mean, it, it's it's a great way to to riff on the, you know, the quote-unquote Tiffany trend. I mean, I, everyone was posting over the weekend or I guess not over the weekend, man, I'm losing my mind. Earlier this week about LeBron's new 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 hype wear that he was wearing, right? He had the Tiffany Nautilus that came out last year, but then he was wearing like the Tiffany and Nike Accent collabs. Nikes, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, "What? Like Tiffany is now into streetwear? Like this is this is weird." So but people are posting about this stuff, right? So it kind of riffs on that, you know, style, the Tiffany Nautilus, the 5711, you know, the swan song, quote unquote, uh, of of the of the Patek 5711 without being too derivative, like because the color is the color because that's the color of the stone. And I do like that they went with the yellow gold. Yeah, it's a nice contrast. I don't think anybody's done that yet. At least not that I've seen in that terms of you know color combination. So uh, I think it was well well placed. Yes, and then in addition to that, we got four. Well, really, it's two, but you get them in two colors. Uh, code eleven fifty nines. So a chronograph wah, wah, wah. in blue and sort of a stone green, and then a time only in blue and stone green. I I I think they're. In my opinion, I think they're better than the original just because of all the concentric circles. Uh, 
I still, and you I still wouldn't. Missing, you are missing one colorway though. There's three. Is there a gray? It's I like just, a, it's like a, like a khaki. I couldn't tell if that was the, the. I couldn't tell if that was the green in just a really bad light or not. No, no. I think it's its own, it's its own version. So you have, you have the dark blue, you have the green, and then you have the, the, the khaki. Because you'll notice when you look at the green version, the dial is dark, and when you go to the khaki. It's like a black to khaki fume almost. I was looking back and forth at those two pictures, trying to figure out if that was the same watch in different lighting or not. Yeah, I had such yeah. a hard time because they never showed three; they only showed two. Yeah, and That's... sometimes that could just be just that could just be the fault of of who got the press kit. Yeah, could be. You know who who posted what or or what, in which order they're they're posting. And sometimes, you know, uh, brands will give exclusivity to X Y Z, you know, press. So Houdinki might have the scoop on it today, and then you know, let's first example say tomorrow, Time and Tide gets it in terms of you know priority, right? So yeah, maybe yeah. like Houdinki's got the first twelve hours of presentation of the product or whatever. Then subsequently, everybody else can get it. So you may not see all of the photos at once if they didn't decide to post them all at once. You know, so it's kind of interesting. It's just the way the world, the the watch world works. It's not always, not always an exact science, but I mean, I will say this: I think visually these LM fifty nines seem more interesting. Um, I will say that for me personally, I hate the dial. I think that that's the one thing that I don't like about it. Um, I know it's almost kind of for me like what would be a modern take, like on a traditional guilloche. Yeah, you know, it, it kind of has that motif, but you can see it's much more uh, instead of you know guilloche, you know, traditionally kind of like wave patterning or like ripple effect. It this is almost like like modern and technological looking. Like when I look, I was going to say industrial like, when before you exactly, said exactly that it's was industrial. Kind of the thought I was thinking of. It, it it looks very clinical and it looks almost you know to me like digital you know it's like it's it, it looks less artistic and more mechanical is, correct is the correct. way I, I see it so i can see that they're trying to riff on the idea of what would be a guilloche dial which is traditionally associated with antiquated watchmaking you know production right like it's 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 a historical way of doing this to me what the 1159 has always tried to represent for 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 ap is yes, we've done classical things in the past, but we're really trying to look towards the future. So we're going to make a futuristic inspired timepiece based on our classic heritage in the past. And it's kind of bridging that gap. And that's why me, for me personally, it never made sense because I felt like it was stylistically confused. And I've talked about this before. We've touched on it, you know, I think probably when we first started, we talked about the 1159. Um, but uh, it, it just... For me, this dial is not too busy. It just, I I don't exactly know how to place it, but it, it I can't stand looking at it. And I don't know why. And I'm typically not a very picky person when it comes to something like this. I can usually overlook it, but it's like, to, for me, it's almost like it's, when I look at it from a distance, it almost looks like the dial's like vibrating. You know, like it's like moving so fast that it's yeah, creating that. like a like a haze effect or like a distortion. And it 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 kind of makes me think something's off, you know. It's a weird watch to place for me, especially the chronograph, because the chronograph reminds me at a at a distance 
it reminds me of a lot of the the tag hoyers that I don't really like in the bigger cases. <laughs> like the super Carreras, like they're just jumbo size. Yeah, it just reminds me of that. And it, it's a weird watch because there's nothing that offensive about it. I just don't love it. Yeah. That's, it, that's all I can say about it. I, I don't really know how else to express that. Yeah, I, I have a good buddy of mine that, that's seen some of the uh, the original runs at the Olympic 59 in person. And he's like, look, it's a very misunderstood timepiece. It's one of those watches like you really have to see to believe. And and I and I and I do believe him. I mean, it's uh I, I would certainly say that if I saw this in person, I'd probably have a better appreciation for it. But there was just so many things I didn't love about the original design. The case architecture, it's you know, it's partially skeletonized, but then it's really not, it's, you know, different font styles. You know, you have some with serifs and some without. It just was visually very not cohesive. And then I think the one thing that really threw me was the crystal. Instead of being like domed, it's like concave. You know, it's like a bowl shape. Oh, is it? It's weird. It's so weird. So it has this weird like distortion effect. It, 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 I, yeah, I don't know exactly know how to describe it, but I remember that was one of the initial things that people were kind of like, what? Like you made a crystal like upside down almost. It's not like, you know, it's like, like the that. bottom of like a glass soda yeah. bottle. Yeah, it, it kind of dips into I mean, the obviously, center. Yeah, I've never seen one of these in person, so I wouldn't know. It's but. so weird. Uh, when you look at the, when you look at Houdinki's uh like chronograph post, you can kind of see how it like again, it's a digital image, so it's not gonna be a hundred percent, but yeah, their crystals are like bowl shaped. <laughs> I thought you said a totally different word there, but I understand that. <laughs> I was like, "Damn, that's harsh." Oh, bowl shaped. I got bowl shaped. It. <laughs> yes. Damn, Schmitty. Know, All right, coming out, guess, coming out hard at the beginning. Yeah, I guess while we were on um, gigantic tag horrors, I don't like that much. Uh, they came out with a new chronograph collab with Porsche. It's a Carrera. It's gigantic. It's forty-four millimeters. This is another want want for me. It's fifteen point two thick. DLC coated steel, seven grand. Uh, it's got orange on it. It, it, it's not a hideous watch. It's just oversized, and it's a lot of what I've already seen, and it's it just doesn't move the needle. No, not 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 at all. This 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 watch is. I'm gonna go out on a limb and say it. I don't say this often. This watch is trash. Oof, it's trash. I mean, I, this is a money grab, in every sense of the word. You know, I, again. I always try to be as objective as humanly possible, and I'll always call out faults where where faults can be called out. I I know my favorite brand Omega is also very guilty of this. Sometimes they do the collaboration thing, and and it can be perceived as a money grab, right? You know, the Moon Swatch was a perfect indication of this. Everyone's like, "Oh, this is just a money grab." James Bond's money grab. I get it. Anything marketing related can be interpreted as a money grab. But for me, what I hate about this watch for the Porsche design, and this is even true of the other versions that they came out with previous to this one, is it's just like, to me, it just comes across as an afterthought in the design process. You know, when you think about the Carrara, you think about the classic Porsche design, you think about things like the silhouette of a 911 like these are very classic elements of design that are still transcendent to today. When you think of the first ever generation of Porsches that people really started gravitating towards, you know, and and where they are now, 
that design, that silhouette, the power, what that brand represents is so historic and classic. And to create a watch that's literally a orange monstrosity is is throwing up on the legacy that is this car and subsequently is the watch. Because the Carrera itself, historically, was also designed in that same way. Minimist, sleek, slender, svelte, but, but timeless in its design. It's going to look good in 1965, and it's still going to look good 100 years later. We're still going to be talking about it. This Carrera is a miss. It's oversized. It's not at all well-proportioned. The colors are hideous. The blending of different types of aggressive patterns and stitching and all these things, it's so gimmicky that it tarnishes both brands' reputations. I could see that. There's a lot of, look at me, I'm a car guy. Yeah. But like, like the not in a good way, like like the yeah, poser, poser type it, of way. Exactly. And when you look at what a modern 911 Porsche costs today, and you're like, yeah, it's a $7,000 tag. It's it, it those they, they just don't compute, and the only reason why the relationship is 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 alive is because the watch shares the same name, right? Like that's that's really the only collaboration. I would have loved this this watch so much more if they said, you know what, let's pay tribute and legacy to the heritage that is the Carrera for both of our brands, right? The Porsche, uh, the the Carrera watch, you know that legacy. Let's create, you know, one of the the one of the you know anniversary careers that they just launched. You know, you do a silver panda or you do something like that, and then you do orange accents. You know, maybe you do a big eye with an orange subdial or so, something funky, but it's still restrained. You know, but you don't need aggressive stitching that's gonna match the profile of the leather seats and like it's just so gimmicky. Yeah, it's trying too hard to match. It's so trying so hard. And it's like, it could have been so much more reserved than this. And it could have been so much better. You know, I mean, it just a few, wasn't it just a few months ago they came out with that, uh, with that one was like the Carrera, like on the NATO strap. Like it was like Carrera. Remember it was yep. like the, like the white and blue one. Mm-hmm. And again, it's just like, it's just missing, you know? Give me a cool career, like you know. When I think about the uh, like the skipper, right? Like that was a very simplistic design, you know, blue dial, and then you had like the orange and the teal accents on the sub dial. Do something similar like that and modify it for for Porsche. Yeah, and people would be all over it, you know. But just this oversized, gargantuan, just hideous monstrosity of a timepiece is just not working out anymore. I don't know. I, I I need to I need to step down off my soapbox. I also don't sorry, like sorry tag, but not sorry. I also don't like that there there are no actual like indices. Like you have the yeah the sixty going around, but nothing else. It just it just officially doesn't make sense. It's so aggressive and so ugly. I just and again, DLC coated steel really. Like, couldn't even spring for a ceramic or a carbon or 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 just something that's like, you know, high performance. You know, it's like you're you're dealing with high performance luxury sports cars, some of the most well renowned and well respected sports cars in the world, and you're like, yeah, guys, DLC steals where we're at. Like, yeah. I, if it was me, it would be 
create a vintage inspired Carrera, make it feel a little bit more modern, add some color flair because you know that is one thing that's in, in, evocative and 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 um evocative of modern luxury sports cars today, right? People are all about bright greens and lime yellows and like it's fluorescent vibrant colors. Okay, so you subtly work that into the overall design, but you still keep the classic Carrera. You still keep the classic silhouette, but maybe you do it in a modern material like a carbon. Which yeah, carbon case they can do. That would be sick. You know? But why why cheapen it with this crap? Hey, but you know what? It has a steering wheel rotor. Oh, no. <laughs> the rotor's on the steering wheel. I did not even make it that far. Right. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> the rotor is a steering wheel. Ouch. Just, it's, again, it's so tchotchke, and uh, it kills me. It really just killed me. Because if it wasn't... I'll, I'll say this. This watch, if you removed the Porsche relationship, arguably would not be a bad watch. You know, it's funky, it's cool in terms of the colorway, the black and orange, okay. But as soon as you enter into that relationship of what this watch is supposed to represent, two extremely iconic brands for their own design and their own heritage, you just completely just crap all over their legacy. Both of them, you know? But if you had removed the Porsche relationship from this and just released this as a watch, like, hey, this is a fun, cool like sports watch we wanted to make, I think people would probably be more apt to buy it because it is edgy. It's bigger. It's, you know, you got more flash going on. It's a car thing, you know, whatever. But to put Porsche on this and it's literally on the freaking bezel. Yeah. Bright orange. It's, it's a, it's a stain on the legacy of the brand, man. I'm sorry. Eek. All right. Well, while we're with brand legacy, you didn't have to go so hard. <laughs> <laughs> while we're with brand legacy, um, Grand Seiko actually just put out a copy of, I believe it's their first wristwatch. Yeah. It's the SBGW 295 celebrating 110 years in wristwatches. And it's a 38 millimeter case. The old one was 35. It's got a Arushi lacquer dial, 24 karat gold indices. So those things yep. must be shiny. Yep. Right. Uh, it's a hand wind movement, which I thought was interesting. Mm-hmm. It's the 9S hand wind. It's limited to 500 pieces, and I believe it's titanium case. Ooh, okay, that I didn't know. Pretty sure I saw it was titanium. Okay, case. well, that would also make the it makes sense for the price point too, because thirteen eight. Thirteen eight is hefty. Yeah, it's hefty. But you know what? I'll say this. You know, this is how you pay tribute to your legacy. This is literally the complete antithesis of what we were just talking about with tech. I get it. It's an updated for modern audiences, right? You know, it's a little bit larger size. Maybe it's a different material, you know, titanium. But this is how you celebrate the legacy that is what you were in the past while making it relevant and attractive for the modern audience. Okay? And again, it's kind of what we just already addressed, right? You follow the same silhouette. You you, you have some subtle changes here. 24 karat gold indices. The original probably wasn't that, right? The original probably wasn't this deep, inky, black, uh, what was the the dial name? Urushi is the lacquer dial. Yeah. I mean, like it, it's absolutely gorgeous this dial, and then you throw in a cool material like a titanium or something like that. If it is actually titanium, I have that I didn't see, but it does look a little bit darker in color um, from the press photos that I'm looking at. Yes, it says brilliant hard titanium. Okay, 
my so, stripper name. Now joining us on the stage, Brilliant Heart Titanium. Okay. Uh, anyway, gorgeous watch. Gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous watch. I mean, the 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 lacquered, the enamel lacquered 24-karat gold indices, which are hand-painted. They're not applied. They're painted onto the dial. Some guy is literally painting this 24-karat gold onto each one of these dials by hand. That, to me, again, is just a level of care and excellence that has been synonymous with Grand Seiko for many, 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 many years. We all know this. We talk about it at length. But this shows you how you celebrate your heritage and how you pay tribute to it while looking forward to the future. Whatever Carrera, Jack Hoyer, and, and Porsche did, it, it's... It holds nothing to something like this. Yeah, it is unbelievable how this is exactly the checklist you just went down. <laughs> and that was the... completely unscripted, too. Oh, yeah, and, and completely <laughs> on the opposite side of the aisle here. Yeah, I mean, it's a, probably a little plain for some people, but to be a recreation of your first wristwatch, I mean, I think you you expect that. Well, yeah, I mean, most of these brands, they had super humble beginnings. I know Seiko was one of them. You know, it's like the, these brands, like, we often think about the luxury era of, of watch collecting, but you have to remember, too, back in the day, it was just about making a great quality product, something that was reliable, was legible, that was functional, most importantly, as a wristwatch. It wasn't about beating precision accuracy awards. It wasn't about, you know, being made of the most exclusive, most expensive materials. It was about making something that was functional, reliable, and accurate for the everyday person. Day in, day out, this watch would work. And this is a watch that, in that very conservative way, celebrates that idea. And to me, that's why this watch is special. And you know me, I'm not the biggest Grand Seiko guy. Yeah. But I can appreciate something that's really beautiful. And this is. I mean, when you see the you see the up close shots of these markers, it's almost like somebody dusted gold onto them. They they have a shimmer effect, even though it's just paint, right? You can see what almost looks like specks of gold dust. I would have to assume paint. that's how it works. There has to be some it, sort of like flakes or. It's 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 unreal. It's unreal. You know, and, and I know for a fact, some guy, Grand Seiko, who's probably trained to paint dials for 10,000 hours of his life, you know, just sitting behind a desk, probably has a hunchback bigger than Quasimodo painting dials for since he was like five years old. That's probably what's happened. And here we are. We're getting something truly special and beautiful. The only complaint that I have personally about this watch is I don't like the strap. Because it's almost, it looks like to me like a textile strap. Yeah, it's it's kind of weird. I know you get a deployant in titanium, but yeah, it's. I mean, I can definitely see the deployant, but it almost I, looks like I this don't know is what like it's a, made like a cordura, yeah. like a nylon almost, like a textile. Yeah, I would have thought for sure this would have been put on like a nice classy alligator or calfskin leather. That that to me would have been chef's kiss. But yeah, you would think as as we know. I mean, what's the strap change, right? Like. It's nothing. It's not a make or break for the watch. Yeah. And I guess since we're on Black Seikos, I'll continue with that. I don't know if you caught these. There was sort of the Blake uh, 
Seiko Blackout Edition kind of got extended. There's sort of yeah. limited run of blacked out Seikos with the kind of super bright blue loom. It got extended to the 62 Moss type case. Mm-hmm. That is the mm-hmm. SLA 067. There's an Alpinist, which is the SPB 337. And then there is a Slim Willard case, which is the SPB 335. And yeah, each one favorite. got the all black treatment, bright blue loom. Uh, surprisingly, I'm not a huge fan of the Alpinist because I really do love that watch. I just don't. I don't know if it, it works doesn't here. look good. In, it doesn't look good murdered out. I don't know if it works here. The 62 mm-hmm. miles looks really cool, and I like the Willard, even though I already have one, so I don't need to buy one. <laughs> but uh, I, my only my only gripe here is that they they didn't go with the affordable. There's two different 62 Moss stylings they have. They have one that's mm-hmm. expensive mm-hmm. that goes mm-hmm. for a few mm-hmm. thousand, and they have one that goes for like eight or nine hundred. They went with yeah. the expensive one, which sucks because if this was in the cheaper case, I would have went after it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think my six, because I think the difference was the handset, right? One was like a big broad arrow handset that was the lower tier price point. Even now, there's sort of this this one that's in the H case. It looks almost identical to the more upscale one but there's just differences movement wise and, and okay, finishing wise that, okay. that's just a little different it just stinks I, if they would have put the so like for example i think it's the spb like 149 143 those are in the cheaper cases and then you have the sla lines which are in the more expensive cases i gotcha okay okay yeah, yeah i mean you, you obviously know more about this than i do but uh, i will say this i overall i think all three watches are inherently good looking. I think uh, I would agree with your first point. I think the Alpinist, you know, having collected watches as long as I have and, and been a fan uh, of the Alpinist itself, the, the original Green Dial Alpinist, this to me just, it, it misses, especially because it's on a bracelet too. I don't know. I'm just so used to seeing the Alpinist on a strap, like OEM, that when I see it on this like blacked out tactical bracelet, it... To me, and I don't want to disparage this watch, it just comes across as cheap, almost like just visually, not actually quality of the timepiece, if that makes sense. Yeah, there's something uh, that just doesn't make sense it, there. It's just it's it's just not congruent. I don't know what it is. It's just not congruent. Um, I do love the 62 Moss. Does that one only come on the NATO? Because I'm only seeing it on NATO. I think so. Okay. Uh, I would have to say my favorite is the, is the Slim Willard. I love that subtle pop of red. You know, on the on the second hand, you know the 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 stoplight yeah, second stoplight second is so good. I, I just that one little nod detail for me sells it. That and I think the little the little twenty minute you know grayed out bezel section as opposed to the all black bezel. I think it's just different enough to feel very utilitarian, very tactical, very like stealthy but still badass enough. That that I would that that I would look at adding something like that to my collection. It's cool, and again, we talked about black, right? Like we've been beating this 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 horse dead. You know, it, black is having a moment again. If you guys are on the fence about about getting a black watch, now seems to kind of be the time to do it because a lot of people are coming out with some cool offerings and all different price points um, to to have black in the collection again. So I think it's cool, but the Slim Willard of all three would be my choice. Yeah, the only other thing I'm noticing, and this might just be from the, the pictures because obviously we didn't hold these in our hands, 
it looks like the Alpinist has a kind of a grainy black dial. The Willard has what appears to be a dark gray dial. And that might just be the picture because of the contrast with the bezel, but it yeah, looks yeah. a little lighter. And then the 62 Moss has sort of a, I don't even know what you'd call this. So it's black, but it almost oh, looks it's like, like a, striated. It looks like a truck ran over it. <laughs> like it looks like there's tire treads on it. Yeah, I I literally just now noticed that since you're I was pulling up a bigger fit photo of it. You're absolutely right. Yeah, and I don't know if that's a glare or if that's actually is. the the watch. It, yeah, no, it is, bro. It's striated. And you said it right, dude. It looks like a. A truck ran over. It's it's a it's a. <laughs> this is the Seiko sixty two Moss tire tread. No, it's taking the tread the tread rubber. You know they make the a, whole, the whole different meaning. There's a tire tread strap, so you might as well yeah. just put them together. That's what I'm saying. I'm taking the tire tread strap to a whole different meaning. That's so weird. Yep. Well, now I definitely don't like the sixty two Moss as much. Yeah, I guess my pick is still the uh, the Slim Willard for Weird sure. Weird choice. Weird choice. Yeah, and, and, and I don't know what the tie-in is. It, But it literally looks like a piece of concrete that, you know, a rubber truck tire was floored over, and it leaves, like, the tire tread impression onto the concrete. But the whole dial is black, so you're basically having, like, a a textured section of the black and then kind of a smooth black section in between those. And it makes a striping effect that is just not. And there's no real rhyme or reason to it. Some are <laughs> thicker, some are thinner, some are yeah. angled. I don't know. Just weird. It's weird. Yeah, yeah, that's super weird. Yeah. I mean, you could call it the tiger stripe. That's kind of a cool name if you wanted to salvage it. But the skid the... mark, I mean. <laughs> the Seiko skid mark. Oh, my God. See, I tell people, man, I love to burn my own my own favorite brands. I'm the same way. I'm the same way. That's what I do. I just Seiko 62 Moss skid mark. You heard it here. Heard it here. First. <laughs> Go and buy your skid marks, ladies and gentlemen. It and then they it also does roll off the tongue. They also drop something for you, my friend. I don't know if you caught these. There's a Solar Diver GMT. Yeah. In what looks like the Sumo case. Yeah. Four renditions. You got a black, a Pepsi a blue and a green that are a little more funky and have a little more, you know, fluorescent accents to it. But this is what you've been asking for. Diver bezel, internal GMT scale. Yeah. These are, I believe, solar quartz, but they do have a jumping hour hand. Ooh. Yeah, I didn't know so about the jumping hour hand. Interesting pro uh, little package here. Yeah, I, I think I have been asking for this. I would have preferred it had been a mechanical movement, personally. Especially because we know that Seiko can do it. Yeah. Right. We saw it with the with the uh, the five uh, KX series. Obviously, it's it's possible. So that was kind of my own just reservation about it because historically, to my knowledge, and correct me if I'm wrong, bro, the Sumo was only ever mechanical, right? I believe so. So it just seems to me odd to choose a very historic line for Seiko. That was traditionally an automatic timepiece and put in a solar quartz movement. That's my only beef with it. Aesthetically, if there were other solar sumos or not. Aesthetically, I like it. I think the handset's cool, especially this, it's the new modern sumo handset. 
Um, I could have loved a little, maybe a little bit fatter Seiko GMT hand, but it's very much in line with the rest of their Seiko GMT hands. If you're familiar with those. So, you know, from Grand Seiko to some of the other ones that they've offered uh, in the higher tiers that, you know, are just below Grand Seiko. So, you know, that's a minor quibble. Um, color color codes, I think, are great. You know, um, you have that kind of like emeraldy, turquoisey green. You have that blue, like you mentioned, with kind of like the Caribbean blue accents to it. Um, I think overall they did a good job. There's just a few quibbles for me that could have maybe taken this to the next level. You know what? I think they had a, a solar sumo. I think it was a chronograph. Okay. Okay. I remember. But that was more recent too, no? Yeah, yeah. That was that wasn't a historic piece. That was a, okay, a pretty okay. Thing. okay. Yeah. But the original the original sumo was only ever mechanical to to what I remember. I think so too, yeah. So if that was the case, for me, it just it it just seems like a little bit of a misstep. Even you know, because we know that they have the capability. And for me, I would have much rather spent maybe a few hundred dollars more to get a nicer you know, version of maybe the, the, the five KX series movements, uh, in maybe like a f higher finish level, like, you know, a prospects line or something kind of like in that line. Cause I can't imagine it would be that much difficult to that much more difficult to create a little bit more elevated version of what's, what's in the five KX GMT, you know? Yeah. But you know what they are, they're leaning into courts recently. I've been noticing that. And I really think it started around the time that you got your 38. Like that solar thirty eight, yeah, the little solar diver, yeah, yeah, the the mini diver. I'm just like, well, they did they did those, they did Arnie's, they have yeah. these, right? They they've been doing a lot of solar courts, and I think it's just I want to say it's just based on utility. You know what it is? I think they've I think they realize that a lot of people buy their watches to not necessarily wear every single day, yeah, and so a the the solar battery lasts like months which is True. nice. So that'll always be on. It's an easy recharge. You throw it on the windowsill, no big deal. And it's going to be right where you left it off. You're going to pick it up, grab it, go, and you're on your way. And if yeah. you are going to be one of those people who wears a Seiko to be active, God bless, you know, good luck killing that thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they are literally tough as nails and watches. I mean, and they, and they run, I mean, Seiko's just like these, these little tiny mini Seiko's just run forever. I can still pick up my 32 year old, you know, pre SKX, this was a sixty three oh nine. Yeah, but it was the it was the sixty three oh nine, but it had the transitional reference, so technically it was a seven zero zero two. Um, but anyway, it, it just I could pick it up at thirty two years old and give it a shake because you have to shake these old Seikos. Yep. There's no the hand winding them, shake. right? You do the old Seiko shake as per the operation instruction guide manual, uh, and it still runs. It doesn't have the best power reserve or anything like that. So there aren't any, any great Seiko watchmaker guys out there in the U.S. Uh, please let me know because it is a very special watch to me, very sentimental, and I would love to have it running in tip-top shape. Uh, so if you guys have any connects, hit us in the DMs at Wrist Cheese Radio on Instagram. I want to say maybe DC Vintage maybe services, if I'm not mistaken. Does he? I think. If he does, bro, you need to let me get with yeah, him. Put a feeler out. And you on that. Because happens. I I want that watch to be in tip-top shape. And I don't care 
what it means. It's just it's it's just too sentimental to me. And again, it's completely irrational. It doesn't make sense, but it's too sentimental for me to to ever let that watch out of my collection. It'll never it'll never go. All right, and then last up, we have uh interesting bit of tea. So Synchron is back with another military watch in collaboration with Poseidon. You've probably seen Poseidon on doxes before. Yeah. They are <laughs> a Swedish dive outfitter. They made the first gas-proof dry suit, Poseidon. Yeah. And they're teaming up for an ice diver. Yes. So think Synchron military, but whiter dial, bright yellow accents instead of the orange. Uh, I believe you're getting, it said you're getting an upgraded movement. Yes, you are. Yeah, yeah. Right, and then uh, a little extra shock protect protection. Yeah, and then they, they switched a couple. System. They switched a couple little things. They changed the hour hand. It's not yeah. that blocky little hour hand. It's more of just like a a skinny. It's, it's honestly, it's honestly Omega Pro Prof style. Like that is. Oh, the you're handset. right. You're right. That is it's it. The handset. Yep. Yeah, for sure. It's the exact handset. So it's a, it's like the skinny fence post, you know, for the hour hand, and you had that big, you know, fat broadsword, you know, minute hand. It, it's totally Pro Prof style. That is so. This is getting interesting because we know there was a tussle with Doxa. We know Doxa's work with Poseidon. I'm curious what Doxa's relationship with him is like now. I really have no idea. This is this is like you said. There there is some tea going on here because there was that whole thing, right? Like I mean, you know, Synchron released their military, and it got you know it was met with great fanfare. And everyone, you know, Jason Heat was covered, Jason, you know, James Stacy, like a lot of people that are influential in the tool watch, dive watch space were were really all about this because it was historically, you know, part of that history. And for those of you who don't remember, at one point in time, Doxa as a company was owned by Synchron. This was like in the 70s and 80s, I believe, if I remember correctly. Somebody you know, can correct me uh, in the comments on our post when we dropped this on Monday. But it was there. They were part and affiliated of the Synchron group at the time. Eventually, both entities kind of went their own way. And one of the guys that really helped to resurrect Doxa eventually left to to basically go resurrect Synchron, right? That's kind of the, the idea, bro. And this guy has brought on Synchron. Aquadive, Aquastar, Aquadive. I always get them confused. <laughs> I, yeah, Aquastar. I think Isofrain and and Tropic. So like those brands are under the Synchron Group, which is completely separate from modern Doxa today. So there's gotta be some beef because. Doxa just came out with a you know quote unquote last year the official Doxa Army, Army watch, which yep. was the original name, right? It wasn't the military, it was the original originally called the Army. And they had even, you know, flexed that they had, you know, had to go back through Swiss, you know, government orders and all these things that, you know, they had the true provenance of creating this watch and calling it the Army. It was their brand's history. And there was, you know, I remember we had that, you know, we took photos of that social media beef between the two brands. Yeah. There was like the subtle shade between the comments of the two brands on their posts on, Only on social one deserves media. Your trust. Yeah, it's like I'm like, whoa, yeah. <laughs> shots are fired. So this has to be 
uh, a retaliatory fire back from from Synchron uh, aimed directly at Doxa because they did just launch the army again. Um, you know, especially the you know the initial one was in was in black ceramic in collaboration with Watches of Switzerland, uh, and then eventually later on in the year they released the steel and steel and bronze uh, kind of two tone variations in, in great colorways, but mind you, uh, and they were met with very good success as far as I understand. And now, not that far along, uh, we have a new launch of the military, which is already sold out, by the way, according to the Synchron website. Um, you know, we got a new military in quotes, Ice Diver, in collaboration with Poseidon, which is historically collaborated with Doxa directly. This is feels uncomfortable. Very feels like when you watch when you watch your friends who are in a relationship get in a fight. Yeah, yeah, it it, it really does. I mean, I, I'll say this: I love to watch. I think it looks good. I like the handset. It's different enough. I like. I love the dial colors and how they incorporated the 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 Poseidon yellow, but I love that they did it with kind of like a you know more muted tone. Like the the even though the white is like like a softer color, it it doesn't stand out as much. It's weird. It's I, I don't know exactly how to explain it, um, but I also love that the press photos they're they're using the light gray isoprene and the light gray uh, uh, tropic straps to kind of yeah. highlight that that. That ice, that diver. ice diver yep. look it it's so clean it's so good looking and oh i love it if i could get my hands on it i would but i can't because it's sold out <laughs> um <laughs> but it's uh, as per the hobby yeah i mean again and, and I, this is maybe there was like a few that they were gonna you know sell initially in in the because there's an introductory price at 990 so maybe they had a small batch reserved for those models. And once they sold through them, then, you know, that was going to be the price. And then they would maybe officially open the collection at the, you know, regular price for retail at 1200 Okay. So maybe that's what it is. I think they did that the first go around too. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. But it's a very cool watch. I hope for those of you that can get your hands on one and get one, I hope you're happy with them because I think it looks very cool. And it's yeah. not a whole yellow dial like the like the other ones. Right. Okay, before we get into topic, this is sort of a little transitional story that just kind of came about. You and I kind of came across. Uh, Seiko is doing a little project that they had previously done. It went away for a while. Now it's back. It's an exhibit. It's sort of art. And it's uh, it's in Japan in, in the Harajuku district. And it's, it's running through... I think the middle of this month, but they have designers both from the company and outside the company and different artists, I guess, playing with old versions of their watches and kind of reimagining them for today, I guess. And there's a cool bunch of different ones. Some of them are popular. Some of them are less popular. They have a, a Seiko Monaco, which is that square case chronograph in case nobody knows what that is. The Sonar, yeah. which, which they just released a newer one this year with sort of the translucent dial. Uh, mm -hmm. They have an old King Seiko. They have a couple of people riffed on the tuna. One, even the there's a, a ceramic ball. It's an old Seiko digital. It's a goofy looking mm -hmm. watch, but it's like a funny looking. It looks like um, those little robots that they, they sold not that long ago that were like a toy. It's it's literally just a, a ball. But anyway, it's a digital <laughs> watch. And then sort of like a, a, a women's like bead bracelet type of watch. Anyway, they riffed on all of these and kind of made them 
super different. Some of them, they just sort of changed the colors and modernized them a little bit. They took the King Seiko and they put 20 different sides on it. And I think Zeratsu polished it. So the thing is just going to be like crazy. Two different renditions of the tuna were probably the most interesting. One of them, the person took and made it into sort of like a wearable where you, you loop the, it's attached to like a, a piece of clothing and you loop it through almost like a button. So I guess okay. you wear it sort of on you as opposed to on your wrist. And then the other ones, this one was crazy. They took and made it into a batch of kids watches. It looks like the Parchy Palance steroids. <laughs> but these look super cool. Like I would totally get these for my kids if they if, if these were official model. There's like a pink one, a yellow one, and a blue one. And they're coated in some kind of a latex, rubber, whatever, whatever. But they're tunas. And so they have like the little shroud on them still and everything. It's really cool looking. If you have a chance, if you have a chance, go this. and look at it. Oh, the adventure kids watch. Yes. Whoa. Like that would be a sick watch for a kid. I know as an adult, the tune is a little goofy, but for a kid, it's perfect. Yeah. You're right. It looks like a, it looks like a parchy pal or like on a steroids, swatch man. on steroids. Yeah. Prospects for Marine Master Professional is a professional divers watch for people working in harsh environment of deep sea. Um, the rebirth is professional divers watch has undergone a rebirth and transformation into a watch designed especially for children. The watch features a tough protective structure allowing children to play in a careful manner. Uh, an accordion shaped strap that is easy to pull on and off and a rotating bezel that allows the wearer to set time for every social occasion. Every detail of the watch is constructed for children who enjoy playing actively. We hope that many children will wear it as their first watch in life. I would totally buy this. And you as a Seiko guy, and, you definitely have to get it if it ever I becomes a real thing. If I remember from the picture, I think that's the thousand meter version. It's so cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's based off the thousand meter. Like, yeah. what a sick beater for a kid. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know if this one would actually be a thousand meters. No, I know. They might have, you know, it, messed but around it's totally, with the case yeah, it's and totally, but... It's totally based off the thousand meter yeah. version. So, just super cool. I, I wish I wish I could get my hands on some of those. Yeah. I mean, yeah, this, I remember when I sent you the initial, like, kind of uh, explanation about this. You're like, this is kind of, this is very interesting. So it's cool to see that, you know, they're doing some cool stuff and, and bringing back some original designs and, and making them fresh and new for yeah, some, some were a little less modern. cool, cool than others, but some were neat. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the timeless radiance though is pretty insane. Yeah. It's the King Seiko. Yeah. <laughs> With all the sides, it's just like, you get a side, you get a side, you get a side, you get Zeratsu, you get Zeratsu, you get Zeratsu. It's kind of insane. Yeah, it's a little overkill, but they tried to go, I guess, balls to the wall on that one. I mean, I get it. I get it. You know, shoot your shot. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. And I guess since we're talking reimagined, bringing things back from the past, we can go on to our last little bit here, which is if you saw the articles about the collectibles collection from JLC. Yep. Uh, in celebration of their 190th anniversary they are bringing back a selection of watches that they are restoring and certifying from heritage mm -hmm. models and they're a pretty penny we've seen this from the likes of zenith i think vacheron's done it i think cartier's done it a few other people too um 
but they're going to give you certifications and, and extracts and things like that. They're taking these models. They're going to make them pristine. They can remachine parts that have failed on them. And you're going to get them pretty much as mint as you possibly can. And yeah. you're paying a premium for that. Sometimes upwards of double what maybe market value might be. But they're on the JLC site. And apparently they're going to be continuously rotating. They're going to start with 12. Mm-hmm. And then I guess as they sell or as as they feel appropriate, they're going to rotate ones in and out. Yeah, because they they'll have to find new inventory and everything like that. Because obviously these watches you can't just pull out the vault. So it's an interesting project. Um, like you said, you know we've seen this most recently with Zenith. I think it was probably last year, or the year before they they released their Icons collection. Yes, um, where where this was a where this was kind of a similar thing. They were going to go out and and scour the interwebs and and find collectors that had. Um, these watches in great condition, restore them carefully and and then resell them as uh as products that could be inspected, you know, archived and 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 given provenance through the brand, which I think from a collector's standpoint is ultimately one of the biggest challenges in buying vintage is just sure. how do you know what you're getting? And and what better place to get something like that than from the actual manufacturer that created it originally. And I think that speaks volumes for brands that are willing to to do this because I'll be honest with you, finding these watches, one, is a challenge in and of itself. Two, there's so many things to have to vet, inspect, you know, uh, service, all of these things. I mean, it, it's crazy. And even if something was, let's say, new old stock, right? Like some of these watches that they've, they've talked about claim to be, even let's say something was new old stock, you could literally, given the age of something, we're talking, you know, 50, 60, you know, 70, 80, 100 years old in some cases, you know, parts on this could literally turn to dust by yeah, just, just trying removing. to yeah. just trying to remove them. I mean, the hands could just fall apart. It just disintegrate. Yeah, because now you've exposed it to atmospheric conditions that it hasn't had to experience in 100 years or 40 years or 50 years, and like the loom can just vaporize. I mean, there's so many things that can go wrong in, in doing something like this. And as you guys know, for many high-end collectors of vintage, those are big no-nos. Dials need to be correct. Well, they did say that they would be leaving dials and cases as much as they can untouched. Yeah, yeah. which again, I, I mean, again, that just speaks to the to the level of care that these brands are willing to go to. And you know right off the bat, you're dealing with the, the highest levels of master watchmakers for these respective companies. Because these are people that have an incredible skill that even your standard watchmaking graduate will, will just simply not possess. Um, being able to reverse engineer and recreate new tools or new, new um, uh, um, parts for watches that have since long been retired... Um, is a feat in and of itself. It's it's amazing. It's amazing. So I'm excited for this. I think it's a cool program. I wish my favorite brand w- would get into it, but as we've seen recently with with things like Speedmasters and stuff, like it's really hard to put a value estimation on some of these products because you really just don't know where the market can be at some point. And I think that that's ultimately the biggest problem I have with it is like how do you really know what a fair price is for these things? Yeah, impossible to know. You know, like market market conditions change. Do the prices change as reflective of the market? 
You know, like, is it really worth $40,000 for, for a G381 uh, Chrono Master? Like, I, I, I don't know. I don't, or El Primero, like, I, I don't know. I really don't have the answer for that. But, you know, if the market changes tomorrow, do the Zenith readjust the price for that? Because now yeah, you're not going to sell tough. it at $40,000. Do you have to sell it at $20,000? Because now the market has received that, you know, that watch is no longer being valued that that high. So it that, that's the that's the biggest reason why so many brands don't get into CPO and don't get into pre-owned. Because of that. If you buy all these pieces at high levels when the when the cost is high for these products and the market is healthy, when that changes, what do you do? Do you take the loss? Do you liquidate? You know, there's so many different factors, right? What's the overall usage of this, you know, in terms of age? How did the previous owner wear it? Does it have all the things it's supposed to have? Box, papers, you know, has it been serviced? Was it serviced properly or was it serviced through unauthorized means? There's so many areas of gray variable here that makes it very difficult. So I will say this, give credit where credit is due. Uh, the brands that are willing to to do this and take ownership of this and having their museum teams figure this stuff out, kudos to you because I know it's a big undertaking. Uh, the rest of us who are just kind of sitting, you know, by the by the sidelines, seeing if this is going to work out, we'll see. I guess. Well, I mean, what do you think, bro? I appreciate it for sure. I'm definitely not priced in any of this but i, I appreciate what <laughs> i mean neither, do. neither am I. I i'm not gonna sit here and, and say that i am it's, that would be a complete farce yeah i mean i would think it would be really cool if some maybe not so expensive brands did it and then you'd be paying maybe a couple grand for something that's restored as opposed to 40 yeah you know yeah. On, on something that was originally like a, a a throwaway diver or something that they restore up and it looks good and all right, maybe you pay $2,000, $3,000 for it, but it's mint condition working like a charm and there's not so many floating around in that condition anymore. Okay, I guess that makes it a little more sense. Yeah. It's a little more accessible, but I guess everybody would be all over it. I don't know. It's a hard thing to gauge as far as demand and, and the supply and the ability to be able to perform it, but I like it. I like it as an idea. Uh, I, I, I really like vintage watches in general, especially mm-hmm. sort of the more iconic ones, so... Yeah, speaks to me. And, and and again, they're focusing on very popular models. Did you get a chance and to check out any of them? Yeah, I mean, I was looking at. Uh, I mean, I looked at the icons collection, obviously, obviously from Zenith. Most of them are going to be, you know, El Primero, you know, Chronographs, you know, Chrono Master Sport, you know, not before Chrono Master Sports, but you know, Chrono Masters, right? That kind of design. So that's cool. And then when you look at the the JLC, I mean, you have. You know, you know, diver watches. You have uh, 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 diver world timer versions. Yeah, some There's cool some stuff. Memovox some, models. Some cool stuff I never knew about. I don't know if you call it this one. It was a Memovox parking alarm. Parking alarm. Let me see. Oh, is that the one with the two the two dials on it? It's got a blue P in the middle. A blue square with a P. Oh, I see it now. And you set the alarm so that you don't get a ticket. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. Like yeah. that was an actual complication. Yeah, yeah. Back <laughs> back when we used to have to to do to do parking meters all the time. Like how hysterical. I was like, oh, it's actually like a cool antiquated 
little complication there. I mean, that's, you know, it's funny. Like when I was in sales, that's what I used to tell people to use their chronos for. You know, you, you, yeah. I mean, you might have 15 minutes, you might have 30 minutes. Why not? As soon as you get out of the car, you throw out money in the parking meter, you do it on your app or whatever you do today, start the chronograph. So, you know, physically, when you should be back to refill the meter or to 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 add more money, whatever it might be, you know, I mean, there's so many people in today's modern world that have never had to pay a parking meter before. We have no idea about this, but it's so cool. Like you said, I mean, it having looked at it, which I, I didn't I didn't pay attention to that one uh, initially, but having looked at it, it kind of reminds me of like the Domino's pizza box Rolex a little you bit. Know, it's just kind of it's just so it's such like a snapshot in time. That it was just like that was just it was just there, you know. <laughs> it made sense for the time, and it's kind of cool as a as a kitchy novelty today. And it, and and for me, obviously, it's it's always going to be very cool. But um, especially when you think about like how serious of a brand JLC really is. Yeah, that's why. And then for, <laughs> and then for them to to kind of be like, we're going to juxtapose this this uh, this idea with this uh, with this complication. But again, man, as I've said before, it just kind of goes back to everyone was making good watches for practicality and and for usability and function and benefiting somebody's lifestyle. Yeah, it was just cool. I got I went through and I was all the usual suspects, reverso, geophysic, memo boxes, couple divers, one of them I didn't even know about. And then I come across this one and I'm like, is that an alarm watch? And I was like, what is that? <laughs> I was like, is that a parking meter watch? Yep. It's neat. It's it's just cool. It's just a different yeah. time. Yeah. And and there's people out there who are going to get this stuff and and I I hope you enjoy them because I would love to say that I could drop, you know, 40,000, 50,000, even let's say $20,000 right now nice. on something like this. Um I I would love to, but I I I can't. Um but I know somebody will. I know you guys will enjoy it and if you're out there and you listen to the show, Hey, kudos to you, man! And we would love to, we would love to, to see photos of it and and uh, get you hands can send on it. it. You can send it our way; it's fine. Don't worry <laughs> get about hands it. on with it if we could. But uh, no, I mean, shout out to you guys. Uh, I, there's one of the watches I'm looking at right now. They already sold it, so it's the uh, the Master uh, Mariner Deep Sea, which is like the that was a cool one. Yeah, it was a super compressor case. Um, you know, internal rotating bezel. Diver, very cool, very seventies, late sixties, seventies. My favorite though, I think, is the Memovox Polaris Two. It's kind of like that, like giant squale case. Yep, I saw that. Oh, that turquoisey blue dial on that original Blue Tropic is everything. Everything. If there's any micro brand companies listening to this. Go take a look at this photo and recreate a modern micro brand watch with that colorway. Because that colorway is very cool. Very, very, very cool. Yeah, and I also saw, I, th I think I saw it was a triple calendar on there too, which is pretty neat. Yeah. I find, yeah. I find things with like exciting dates and things very interesting because of the time they came from. Like now everything's digital, whatever. But like when you have to align so many things, when you think about like a perpetual calendar or annual calendar, you have to align so many things to hit properly. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And like 
it it can't fail. You like it has to be precise all the time. And I I don't know if that's more or less difficult just based on setting some gears and yada yada. But I don't know. It seems impressive to me, and I it's it's just a a crazy thing to think about that it could stay so accurate for so long. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you. Uh, I believe all of these are sold. I'm wow. looking at it right now. Wow. I'm pretty sure every single model is sold. Wow. Everyone I've clicked on it says inquire by phone or sign up for the next exp- uh, next uh, edition, which would leave leave me to believe that they've all been spoken for. Let me see if the ladies' version has. It's probably the only one that hasn't, but who knows? And they nope. give it to you on a new nope, strap. They sold it, <laughs> and you get a book of the collectibles with it. Yeah, so. it comes with a coffee table book, which is That's so cool. Very very cool. Oof, the reverso. I don't even know why I checked. I knew it was gonna be. No, nah, that would probably that was probably that reverso one. is like Havana Nights, baby. Yeah. Just rolled up into a wristwatch. Yep. The only one that's available right now is the Memovox Polaris. They're gonna say parking meter. No, <laughs> the parking meter is long sold. Uh, the Memovox Polaris. So it's a it's a super compressor case with alarm. 60,000 US. This is the same dial that they took the inspiration for when they relaunched the Polaris collection just, you know, a couple years ago. But this is that black dial, super compressor case, alarm, diving watch. $60,000 US. Um, Don't walk. Run. Run to the JLC website to buy this watch. To the bank. Yeah. Maybe they do wire transfer. Who knows? They probably do. You can just swing it. Oh, the geophysic is also still available. Okay. So there you go. An original 1958 geophysic and a memo box diver. Last two, baby. Last two. Yeah. And so I guess we'll see going forward if uh, anybody else kind of picks up on this or not. But definitely a cool novelty. I like that. Yeah, a lot. for sure. And and let me ask you this before we wrap up. Um, is there any brand specifically that you would love to see do this? Maybe outside of the these big these big um, you know high end brands. I think I have a couple that I would love to see it. I mean, obviously, I would love to do Seiko just because there's so many that have been just messed with over yeah. time. Yeah, have just been frankened or damaged. Seiko would be, be so good. It would be cool to see them take some very iconic pieces, even if it wasn't the more common ones. Like, I know the older Willards go for a lot and things like that, but I'm talking obscure references. Like when we were talking, when I was talking to Nick about the, the actual Bruce Lee, yeah, yeah. the the Hong Kong Day Wheel, like that one. You know, like how he he sort of does that in his own right, but to see them do it and put their own spin on it and everything would be really neat especially because you know they have access to all all their own parts and everything and and they could obviously take creative licensing however they want with it but that would be a big one for me um i mean i'd like to see omega do it i'd like to see them do it with the older stuff the older you know the 50s seamasters and constellations yeah i mean i think that would be very cool i know i mean i know omega doesn't have a thing where they sell this stuff but they do have the um, certificate. I know of they'll certify it. Yeah, I know they'll certify. Well, but so the, so in the past, they used to have the extraction of archives, which you know all brands do. Basically, now it's pretty standard. Yeah. But a couple of years ago, they added the certification of authenticity, 
um, or certificate of authenticity where you can literally send in the watch and Switzerland will take it apart, not service it per se, but they'll inspect it visually to ensure that all the components are original to that timepiece from that era in which it was produced. And then they systematically photograph every aspect of the movement with high-res photos, all of these things. And then they issue you a documentation that's basically an extraction of archives. So it gives you production dates, things like that. But ultimately, it certifies that this is a legitimate timepiece. All the parts are original, and it's guaranteed by the Omega Museum, which is a little bit different than than what some of these brands are doing because they're you know they're checking the watches out and they're making sure they're good but this is like a document that's issued by omega if you do this uh service um that that specifies it, it's all correct and original um and no, nothing was changed so i think it's right around a thousand dollars for that service because it does have to be you know shipping in switzerland and you know master watchmakers have to carefully you know examine your timepiece things like that um, but it's kind of cool the the paperwork that comes back with it. So, yeah, that and anybody who does old military stuff, anybody who did a dirty dozen, I would like. To yeah, see, right? yeah, anything like IWC, anybody like that, I would I would like yeah. to see their old stuff because I was thinking about it, this. I've seen this a, a lot. I would see I've seen this a lot recently. I know they're not like super well known for like a lot of their vintage stuff, but like Oris, um, if you follow them on social, they keep doing these like little mini snapshot moments of like watches that come in for servicing that are all busted. And they kind of like do like a good, you know, good 60 seconds of like how they serviced it. Nice. I mean, cause it's, you know, Orson's a decently old company. They're not, you know, some of the old, it's not one of the oldest in the world, but they have a pretty cool history and, you know, they have some cool, you know, well loved watches that they've kind of featured on, on their social. And I think it would be kind of cool because, you know, Oris is, as we know, is climbing up in price point every single year. And to be able to offer kind of a specialty piece or something that was a little bit more esoteric or rare for the brand from, from back in the day, maybe a couple of decades ago, uh, I think would be very cool. I could see I could see them jive with it. I could see them doing that. I mean, Josh is kind of doing his own thing too. And, and, and what they're doing at Oris here in the U.S. is pretty amazing. But I could see them being funky enough to to do something like that. That's an idea. There you go. Heard it here. All right. And with that, we can close this one out. Episode 67. We'll catch you next week. I know we got some stuff lined up. Maybe another guest or two coming in the next couple of weeks. So stay tuned for that. Hopefully, I'll we'll have some more details on uh, giveaways, raffles, etc. as well. Till then, Schmitty, be good. I'll catch you on the flip side. Listeners, have a good one. Take care.